Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 100 Series Everyday Awesome Podcast. I am Juan Arrington, and we are back again with another amazing person here in the Quad Cities who is joining us to share an amazing story. Othea Stevenson, how are you today? I'm fine, thanks. Hi, everybody. <laughs> again, Othea, thank you for, uh, for coming on here and being willing to share your story with all of us. And before we get into all that, if you could please just kind of give a little introduction of uh, who you are and uh, what you're all about. Well, I'm Althea Stevenson. Um, I am, of course, a native <laughs> of Rock Island, Illinois. I grew up here. Um, this is my hometown. Uh, I now live in Shiloh, Illinois. But I come back here, um, especially since 2016. Uh, since I lost my son in 2016 in Rock Island, Illinois. Um, after 2016, I was set on a journey from God. I'm just going to tell you that, definitely set on a journey from God. And ever since I've been set on this journey, it's been a legacy um, in his honor. And I have been very successful with this legacy. So that's why I'm here. I think people should know about my story, and I think people should know how it affects families when it comes to gun violence. And... I've been just getting that word out there and speaking to everyone, how, you know I mean, families have to deal with gun violence and how we emotionally and mentally and physically are attacked by gun violence when this happens. So that's why I'm here. All right, and when you first uh, reached out to me and you shared just a, a little bit of, of your story, I was, I was moved by, by what you had to share and I'm definitely uh, ready to get your word out there to the rest of my audience with exactly what happened to you back in 2016 and how you're using that to move forward and to raise awareness. So if you don't Thank mind, you. would you be willing to share exactly the backstory oh. of what happened? Oh, of course. Um, wow. I mean, that night, um, August 23rd of 2016, um, it was evening, um, I'd say around 10 o'clock, um, I got the call from my daughter. I have three other children besides the one that I lost, which is my youngest, which is Demar. I got that call from my daughter and she said Demar had been shot. Um, I live four hours away. I live in Belleville, Illinois area, and that's across the bridge from St. Louis, Missouri. So I immediately, you can imagine just getting a call like that. You know what I mean, frantic. You know, what I mean, I'm scared, you know, what I mean, um, anxiety kicks in and, you know, everything else kicks in. And all I could think about was just getting in my car, of course, and driving here. And that's exactly what me and my husband did. We jumped in a car and we drove that four hours to get here. You know, I couldn't even keep the phone in my hand. I was shaking so much to get here. We drove that four hours. But when we got here, because they were rushing him to the hospital, we got here to the Trinity Medical Center up here in Rock Island they did not tell me my son had died. They didn't tell me that over the phone. And I, I don't know what reasons why they don't tell, you know, people over the phone. You know I mean, where it could be because you're in a panic mode. Um, it could be because, you know, you're upset, you know what I mean? And you're going through something at the time when you hear that kind of alerting news, um, why they didn't tell me. But when I got to the Trinity here in Rock Island, Illinois, I went in the building and no one was there. You couldn't even hear a pin drop. No one was there. They had put everybody off the premises that was there. They had put my family off the premises. And the reason why that was is because it was so many people. It was over 400 people in the parking lot 
that heard that DeMar had got shot. I mean, that's how many people that he touched, you know what I mean, in this Rock Island community. He grew up here. He graduated here. He did so many things for elderly people here, young adults, kids. I mean, you know, and we have so much family here that it was devastating news just to hear. You know, so everybody was out there and the hospital was so overwhelmed that they couldn't believe so many people were outside and inside the hospital because our family is so huge. I'm from a family of 11. I am the baby girl. My mother has over 175 grandkids. (laughs) So you can imagine how many people and people he went to school with just they were devastated. They could not believe. And he was also an entertainer here. So he entertained at different places here and he did video shoots in Atlanta. So, and he was popular here because he worked at different jobs here and had just got a new big job, you know? So people were just devastated by just hearing that news. So they were at the hospital. But like I say, when I got there, everybody was gone. Not even my other children were there. Not even my mother, my mother's still alive. She wasn't even in the hospital. So when I get there, we're looking around you know what I mean? Saying, where is, I'm, I'm frantic saying, where's my family at? Where is my son at? You know, and to hear that, they, you know, some doctors came out and they, they took me, you know, to the back room. We need to speak to you. And that's when they told me my son had passed away. You can't imagine hearing those words. You, I mean, you, uh, a mother, I, I, I don't wish that on any other mother, that pain that we endure, that we go through, it, it hits so deep here, you know, that you can't breathe. And I could not breathe for a second there. You know, and all I could do was run out of that room and fall to the floor and cry and just stay there for a while. They had to call my oldest son to come and get me off the floor. And that took a while. That took a long while to get me off that floor. And it was really hard. And not only that, they didn't even let me see my son because I asked to see my son because I wanted to say my last goodbyes. I wanted to tell my son I love him. It's not like I didn't do that every day on the phone, but just seeing your child, you just need to do that last goodbye. So I never got that chance. I never got that chance. Ever got that chance. My last goodbyes were at the funeral when we had to prepare the funeral and everything, and that was devastating, seeing my son in a coffin like that. You know, so I had to, you know, after that, I was so hurt, you know, and in pain, especially as a Christian, you know, I couldn't understand why God, I felt like God had let me down in some type of way to take, you know I mean? I felt like he had took one of my children, you know, and I was hurt, you know I mean? I was in pain. I was depressed all the time, but you know, God had put enlightened me and he said, you know what, you got to get up and do something. And I jumped up and I'd done something. You know, I jumped up and I done something. So the first thing I did, I walked back through the neighborhood where he was shot at because I wanted to see why people didn't know anything and why people didn't reach out and why, you know what I mean, what was going on with this neighborhood. But when I went back to the neighborhood, it was Glenhurst Court. He grew up in this neighborhood. His sister lived in this neighborhood for seven years. You know, so he was always over her house. So I'm like, something's not right about this neighborhood. Why wouldn't people see? And then I started knocking on doors, asking people, and they said the street lights didn't work. The street lights didn't work, and they didn't have any type of, um, you know, cameras to, you know, pay attention to high crime areas and things like that. So the first thing I fought for was street lights in every area and cameras inside the street lights. 
And that was called Lights, Camera, Action. That was my first petition, and I won that petition. And now, from six to seven blocks to where my son died at, they have lights and cameras already up. Wow. That's awesome. That was my first thing. (laughs) That was the first thing. Then I went back, and I went to Trinity Medical Center, and I started writing corporate offices. I started writing hospitals. I started writing different committees on the hospital board. And I said, you have to change your policies and procedures when it comes to death. So we we worked with it for a year and a half and I have a video there for every nurse, every employee that comes into Trinity Medical Center. It's a video there of aftercare death policy in my son's honor. I changed that policy and that procedure when it comes to dealing with black families or any type of shooting victims, you know what I mean, like that, and how you deal with those types of deaths. So that policy and that procedure is in DeMar D'Angelo Bester's honor at Trinity Medical Center. That was another thing I did. And not only that, he has a plaque in the emergency room at Trinity Medical Center in the hospital. So that was two things I did, you know, um, and those were huge for me. They were huge for the legacy of DeMar and his daughters. And then I didn't stop there. I started speaking to mothers all across these cities when it comes to gun violence and how we endure with the pain and what we need to do as a whole to heal from such a devastating loss. Um, So I started doing that in speaking engagements. And then (laughs) I I went and I started talking to the mayor and I started talking to the city public works and I started talking to board members down at the city. And I said, you know what? Martin Luther King was honored with a street sign. Rosa Parks was honored with a street sign. My son, you know what I'm saying, should be honored because he touched this whole community in so many different ways. And I will not, you know what I'm saying, let him die, you know what I'm saying, the way that he did his daughters not remember him. So what I did is we got, we had a big event and we got a memorial bench in his honor. A memorial bench in his honor. And we had people come from everywhere to perform to, you know what I mean, for this event, you know what I mean, to pay for the memorial bench. And the memorial bench is beautiful. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to show you this bench. All right. Because <laughs> I'm sitting on this bench. Oh, how do I turn this around? Oh. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Yes. So we had a big um, bench revealing, you know what I mean, where we unveiled the bench, we red, um, cut the red tape off the bench, we let doves fly and balloons fly, and we had live performances right here. The mayor spoke, um, the public works director spoke, um, and then we had so many more people spoke, you know, how devastating the loss was. So every year, you know what I mean, we do two things. We celebrate his birthday here with events. And then we also, in August, the day that he died, which is today, August 23rd, 2016, this is the fourth year. You know what I mean? We always celebrate something. But we didn't stop there. I didn't stop there. My son has a street name in his honor. (laughs) I made sure that street name got put up in his honor. Like I said, Martin Luther King, he fought for something. You know what I mean? He was honored. Rosa Parks fought for something. She was honored. My son fought for this community, and I wanted him honored, you know, in a deep way, you know, and I wanted his daughters to be able to cry on that bench that we have, 
You know what I mean? To be able to say, this is my father's bench. To be able to go up to Trinity Medical Center and say, my father helped change these policies and procedures when it comes to aftercare death. And, you know, and, and it's so powerful. But the huge thing, you know, that I want you guys to see is this street sign. Wow. This says DeMar's Way. <laughs> and we just revealed that on May 5th, on his birthday. So, and I hope you're able to see it. And so we, we, we didn't stop there. Today, we have a live event um, coming because of this. Today is the 23rd. It is so many performers coming out. They are going to use social distancing for COVID and everything. But, you know, the biggest thing is this event is because we're opening up a resource community center in Mars Honor. We are going to put resources down here in these lower income communities to help each and every one of them. And it's going to say the Mars Community Center on it. That's why we're here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. Where do you plan on having that uh, community center put? Um, it's going to be downtown um, Rock Island, right behind the county jail and the courthouse. There is okay. an empty building back there. Um, it's empty. It's been empty for a long time. It used to be an ice cream place, um, and it's been empty, but there's taxes still left and old on it, you know? So we are going to pay the taxes up on this building, and we're going to turn it into a resource. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So... Yeah. So yeah. what, what stage are you at right now in making, making all that happen? Or are you in the, the fundraising mode or where exactly? Like I said, today is a live event. That's why we're here. Um, that's why I'm sitting next to the bench today. Because today is a live event. We have performers coming from all over. We have a lady that's so awesome. She came in from Chicago, Illinois, and she was a native here as well. And she is going to sing and she is going to perform. Everyone is going to perform right in front of this bench in Rock Island today. And it starts at noon. It starts at noon and it's right on the side of Church of Peace in Rock Island, Illinois, 12th Avenue and 12th Street. So we're excited. So many people have came out to do these performances. They love DeMar um, and they are willing, you know what I mean, to do whatever they can to get this community center up and running because we need it. Excellent. What have been some of the responses that you've heard from the community with all the things that you've done from, from the initiative that you've done in the hospital to the bench, to the street sign, to now getting this community center up and running? Like, what have people been coming to you and saying? I'm a queen. <laughs> I inspire them. I'm a mother that didn't give up. There's so many mothers that give up when you, you know, when you see, you know, I mean, someone is shot and killed here. I didn't give up. I inspire them. It encourages them and gives them the faith to keep moving forward. And what are some of the things that you have to say? Because like across the river in Davenport, there have been many, many cases of, of shootings um, that have happened. One of the recent ones being uh, a young woman named Italia Kelly, uh, where mm -hmm. she, lost, uh, she lost her life uh, due to some of the riots that happened. Um, in the wake of George Floyd, yeah. um, like what, yeah. what are your, what are your uh, thoughts and things on, on those things? Don't give up. Don't give up. I almost gave up. I almost gave up. You know, I almost gave up. Don't give up because you will find 
in your city. So many people support you. The mayor supports me. You know, a lot of people downtown support me. The police station here in Rock Island supports me. You have to go in there. You have to pour your heart on and tell them this can't keep going on. Don't give up. You know what I mean? Have people jump on that support you. You know what I mean? And everything that you need to do. The only way that we're going to have unity is to start supporting each other. You know, stand up. You know, stand up. I tell every woman, stand up. You know, when you've lost a child like that, that's devastating. But we have to stand up and do something. Don't sit down. Don't give up. Keep the faith. Because that's what I did. Keep the faith. You know, and you have to do those things. Because the minute we sit down and we don't do anything about it, it continues to go on. It's definitely a hurting feeling. But you know what? Change that pain into some energy for positive so nobody else won't have to go through it. Because we know how it feels. You know, and I tell every mother, don't give up. Because you know, you can give up and you can go through that pain and you can have anxiety and you can have depression and you can make yourself sick. I almost had a stroke. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. It hurt so much. Yes, oh, it hurt so much I almost had a stroke. I made myself sick. I had to heal back to that point and get myself better. God said, get up, do something about it because people need to hear your story so they're able to get through. And you know, and you have to be down there, you know what I'm saying? And when things, shootings like that happen in other cities, be down there at the city. You know what I mean? Demanding change. We have to demand change. And that's what it's all about. You have to demand change. But if we sit down and we don't do anything, how are we going to get the change? Good stuff. Good stuff. And that's, uh, and that's huge because I think a lot of people in, in these communities, they can they feel that, oh, these things that are happening, oh, it's like, oh, that's just, that's just I guess, how it is now. But that's, that's not the case. Like, you obviously, we all have, you know, the ability to make change happen. You, you're, you're making change happen. It, it can yeah. be done. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It is not the norm. People are starting to look at it and think that it is the norm when you hear shootings and things. it's not the norm. We are not supposed to lose our children. There's no way. We as parents, we set up, you know, what I'm saying a trust fund and insurance policies and things like that for ourselves. So our children, you know, what I'm saying would be taken care of after we leave. We are not supposed to be burying our children. No, it's not the norm. It's not okay. It's not acceptable. It's just not, you know what I mean? And we have to unify as one and rise up and take control of these whole situations. Because if you don't say, if you keep your mouth closed, nothing gets fed. Nothing gets fed. Absolutely, absolutely. So how long is the event going on uh, today? It's from 12 to two. 12 to two, okay. Yes, Very yes, cool. it's from 12 to two, yes. Yes, we'll be using social social distancing here because we are aware of COVID. We try to keep each and everybody safe. So each each person will perform in front of this bench by themselves. So it's going to be awesome. <laughs> nice. And what are, what are some other things that you get that you have working on other than than getting the community center up and run? Do you have anything else that you plan? Any other type of speaking events or anything like that? I do speak all across different cities. Um, you know, I'm. Um, oh gosh, a couple of months I'll be speaking, you know, I mean, towards Chicago again because Chicago it's needed. It's needed. There's so many mothers there that are hurting. Um, along with of course getting this community center together, you know, I mean up and running, and then going back and meeting with Trinity to ask them to have volunteers for mental health. 
for grief and for other things, for nurses down there taking care of, you know, COVID and testing and those kind of things in the resource center. So I'm just excited for all the other things that I'm doing. You know, it's just so much I have to do. I keep telling myself, oh, I'm done. You know what I mean? And the next thing you know, God puts something else on my heart and I do it too. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, and I'm, all, and I'm almost done with my book. I wrote a book. <laughs> oh, talk about that. Talk about that. Yes. I, I started the book in 2017 and it's definitely for mothers um, out there to encourage them. Um, and it's just all the experiences that I've been through this far mm -hmm. and how we can overcome. I'm an overcomer. I'm a survivor. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Any, any word on when the book might be released? Um, we're hoping, um, oh gosh, it'll have to be after this event because I have a few more things to put in it because of the street sign. But we're hoping to end of this year for sure. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Very <laughs> cool. Well, before we go ahead and wrap things up here, is there anything else that you want to share with the community that you want to get out there that you think is important that people know? Vote. Vote. Please vote. It means a lot to vote. You know, our ancestors did, you know, they died and bled for this. Vote. We need change. And the only way we are going to get change is we get up and do something about it. We rise up. So vote. Please don't sit in your homes and think, you know what I'm saying, that this is okay and that your vote doesn't matter. Every life matters. Get up and vote. Excellent. Excellent. How can people find you, get a hold of you, learn more about what you're doing if they want to look you up? Um, I have a website called Lifelong Experiences. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn as Othea Stevenson. You can find me anywhere. You can find me anywhere. And I have a prayer line. I'm sorry. I started a prayer line in 2017 for young adults on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights at 8.15 p.m., I have my own prayer line. And it's so many people all across this world that calls in. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Othea, <laughs> Othea, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your, your story and your incredible, your incredible will to overcome and to fight for change. It's absolutely amazing what you're doing. Uh, wish you all thank the you. best and, and keep it up. Keep it up. You're doing an amazing thing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. And everybody at home, thank you for checking out the 100 Series Everyday Awesome podcast. Stay followed, stay subscribed, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you.